It is Thursday, October 29th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Week 8 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me again is still number one overall in the Fantasy Pros in-season accuracy contest, Jared Smola. And Jared, let's start it on Thursday night. Atlanta Falcons at the Carolina Panthers. Panthers are two-point home favorites, over under a 51.5. And really, it looks like it should be a good spot for both offenses, but maybe not as positive a matchup for uh, Matt Ryan, right? Yeah, so there are a bunch of, I guess, potential weather concerns this week. And it starts with this game, that, that hurricane is moving through Carolina. It sounds like it might sort of be passed by the time the, the game starts. So, so we'll see. You know, we'll we'll post something in Shark Bites if there are weather concerns, if we are adjusting rankings. Um, but yeah, the Panthers' pass defense has been a, a lot better than expected. Um, they're actually second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. Football Outsiders has them 16th in pass. I think that's probably a better representation of what they are. I don't think it's a matchup to run away from. And as we've talked about, Matt Ryan's been really good when he's had Julio Jones this season. So I think you now he might not have the high ceiling you know, on the road against this defense, but I think he's fine to stick with as like a low end quarterback one this week. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's a, it's, I think it's a neutral matchup. Most likely it's not one to be scared of with a good quarterback. It's not as it's not one to reach for as much as we might've expected. I think there's a, a little bit at play in the numbers besides just what the Panthers have done. The Panthers did allow three running back rushing scores to each of their first two opponents. So that kind of cut into the numbers available to the quarterbacks in those games. They got the Falcons with no Julio Jones in the first meeting. So that clearly cut into Matt Ryan's upside, as you mentioned, 17th and overall pass defense DVOA. So fine. They've been okay against the pass, um, but not something I would fear or necessarily reach out for. You're obviously starting Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Uh, Matt Ryan is in the picture, but he's lower than you might expect just outside our top 12. It is a terrific spot for Todd Gurley, though. 121 and a touchdown on just 14 carries in their first meeting, even though the Falcons lost that one by a touchdown. Yeah, Panthers 28th in both football outsiders, run D, DVOA, and adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. And Gurley has 43 carries now over his last two games. And as we talked about, his his um, role and volume in the passing game has climbed. He has 12 targets over his last three games. So even if Atlanta does fall behind tonight, which I think is definitely possible, um, you know, Gurley's floor is higher than it looked like it was going to be to start the season. Yeah, we've got him top six across formats this week. And I think that that return of receptions and targets is important because he was trending toward being the kind of guy that we had to worry about if the Falcons fell behind. So now it doesn't look so much like that is the case. Makes it easier to play Todd Gurley. I think before we get away from the Falcons, I think you can use Hayden Hurst, but it's not a special spot for him. Carolina has been pretty decent against tight ends so far. They have been. Football Outsiders has them six. Um, Hurst's usage has been good though um he, he's second among all tight ends in pass routes on the season over the last four games now he's averaging 5.8 targets per game four catches per game 46 yards so he, he has he is sort of trending up you know not a surprise i think for a guy who's in his first year with atlanta so yeah hurst is you know he's one of like 20 tight ends who's like just okay yeah he finally picked it up in the two games since i made a trade for george kittle in one of my pay leagues so i don't have to start hayden hurst anymore thanks a lot of course he did on the Panthers' side, it's the league's best scoring matchup for quarterbacks. Teddy Bridgewater has to be smiling. Atlanta is way ahead, too, of any other defense on the slate this week in adding fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. It's a plus 98.4% change, according to the Draft Shark Strength of Schedule page. 
you know, every quarterback to face Atlanta so far has finished top 13. It was, it was all top 12 before Stafford, you know, finished 13th last week. Um, five of the seven quarterbacks have finished as top nine uh, fantasy scorers on the week. So great spot for Teddy who continues to play well. The touchdowns have started to come. I think he's still in for some more positive touchdown regression sitting on a 3.4% touchdown rate. So, you know, if you're deciding between these two quarterbacks tonight, I, I like Bridgewater over Matt Ryan. We just had somebody ask from Periscope whether they should start Lamar Jackson or Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, you got to go Lamar Jackson. See, so here's my answer for that. I would always be scared to sit Lamar Jackson. Any given week, he can put up the points. If I have to guess who has a higher ceiling this week, it's Teddy Bridgewater. I think that that has to be, though, a personal decision, not a uh, we say that Teddy Bridgewater is a better play this week. Yeah, and I, I love Teddy, and we'll get to Lamar here, but, um, you know, we saw Lamar's rushing come back before the bye, and I really like uh, Marquise Brown this week against the other secondary. So, you know, that obviously boosts uh, Lamar's outlook as well. Yeah, so we'll get to that, that game later. Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, easy plays alongside Teddy Bridgewater in this upside matchup. No Christian McCaffrey again this week, so it's one more game for Mike Davis, even though he's been down the past couple weeks. Yeah, struggle on the ground, and Atlanta has been good in – run defense this season. Although Mike Davis averaged 5.6 yards per carry against them back in week five. But if you're playing Davis, you're playing him for his passing game role and this matchup against Atlanta, who is, you know, one of the worst defenses in running back coverage. Mike Davis or Josh Jacobs in half PPR. Some another question from Periscope. I'd probably go Mike Davis. Yeah, I'd have to check the rankings even to see what we have. <laughs> I mean it's it's really an either or for me. It's going to depend who gets a touchdown shot. I don't think either is a bad play. I, I, I guess I would lean Josh Jacobs, but I, I, honestly, I don't have a strong feeling between the two. Yeah, we'll get to Jacobs, but Cleveland's been pretty good against the run this season. Indianapolis Colts at Detroit Lions. Colts by two and a half, over under 50 points. That seems high, but the past two Colts games have gone for 55 and 58 points against the Browns and the Bengals. And Lions games on the seasons are on the season are averaging 53 and a half. Just one of their games has fallen short of 49 points so far. That was last week against the Falcons. Yeah, it definitely seems high to me. I, mean, I just don't trust the Colts passing game. I know Rivers was good in his last game out against the Bengals, but I still don't trust him there. And then I, I, I still think this Colts defense is really good. So um, and th- this is not a game for fantasy I'm too interested in. I agree. I, I You look at the scores and it's like, well, both of these teams have had lots of points scored in their games, but there just aren't that many exciting fantasy options in this game. On the Colts side, I think Jonathan Taylor is probably the only truly attractive piece Uh, Running back has been the most positive scoring matchup for Lions opponents so far. Yeah, I'm hoping we see the Colts like expand Taylor's role coming out of the bye. We saw it with DeAndre Swift. Um, You know, the the Lions expanded his role coming off the bye. Hopefully we see that with Jonathan Taylor. Although, you know, if you look at his box scores, he only had 12 carries in both of his last two games. But the Colts weren't able to run much in those games. Taylor had 75 and 92% of the running back carries in those contests. So if he can stay in that range... You know, we know this Colts team wants to go run heavy. We should see him, you know, 25, 30 running back carries in a lot of games. So um, I think, you know, Taylor's role might already be better than it looks just, you know, based on the box scores the last two weeks. Pass offense, meanwhile, is way too spread out for anything to be interesting. T.Y. Hilton still leads the team in targets, just an 18.4% share, though, and he's doing nothing with them. So he's not attractive. 6.2 targets per game for him. Uh, there's a chance that you could trap lightning with Zach Pascal or Marcus Johnson, but Neither of those guys has actually strung together two straight good games of target counts so far. Yeah, I mean, no thanks to none of these guys if I can help it. Um, the Lions have actually been above average against the pass this season, so it really should be a run-heavy game 
from the Colts. I think the other, you know, the, the next best fantasy option behind Jonathan Taylor is Trey Burton, who you know had the big game before the bye, scored through the air and scored on the ground. Interesting though that he, you know, he, he ran 58, he had a 58% route rate. Jack Doyle was at 56%. So they were basically splitting routes. Um, we'll see if Mo Alley Cox returns this week. That would, you know, add another option to the mix there at tight end for the Colts. And the Lions have played tight ends tough this season. So, you know, Burton's an option, but like I, I prefer Hayden Hurst, you know, just, just among the guys we've talked about already over Burton this week. Yeah, the, that's the thing is there's a, there's a crowd at tight end for the Colts. Trey Burton's the leader of it, but it's still a committee. And the Lions have been tough on tight ends. So, I mean, overall, I'll use Trey Burton if he's the best option that I have. And there's upside to him, but uh, not an exciting option for this week, for sure. Yep. Naheem Hines, one other guy to mention. Oh, actually, before we get away from the, the passing game is uh, Michael Pittman is has been designated to return from IR this week. He's practicing. He has not been officially activated, though. So we don't know if he's actually going to play in this game. I don't think he's going to be usable anyway his first game back but he's going to further complicate this whole target picture for everybody. I I do think that Michael Pittman's worth stashing in deep leagues, but I don't really know what the outlook for him is at this point. Yeah. He he was playing a big role before going down, you know, didn't have big production, but he was on the field and I don't know, but T by Hilton struggling. It's possible Pittman emerges as the top wide receiver here by the end of the season. Right. That's why I think he's worth a stash. Naheem Hines, as I was saying, if you're in trouble running back, he's out there. Reception upside in this game if the Colts do fall behind. Three games this season of five-plus targets, four-plus catches, including last time out against the Bengals. Certainly not an upside option, not anybody to chase after, though. Yeah, it doesn't feel like a Hines game with the Colts favored. And again, the Lions being tougher against the pass than the run. Yeah, that's what we would have said against the Bengals last week, too. Yep. Uh, Lions side, the matchup is a lot worse. As you mentioned, the defense, even though they did allow a lot of points the past two games, they are still fourth in overall defensive DVOA are the Colts fourth against the pass fifth against the run. They might get Darius Leonard back this week. He's missed the past couple games with a groin injury, still limited Wednesday. So we'll have to see, um, but they're hoping to get him back. Justin Houston should also be healthier coming out of the bye. One of their starting defensive ends. He had his worst gated game graded game as a Colt last time out against the Bengals, but he was just, he missed Wednesday's practice only as a rest guy. Yeah, it's not, not a lot I'm interested in on the Lions here outside of, you know, the, the, the every week guys like, I guess, Kenny Galladay is the only one I think who should be locked into fantasy lineups. Matt, Matt Stafford's just been disappointing all season. He was disappointing last week. I mentioned every quarterback to face Atlanta had finished top 12 before last week. Stafford finished 13th, but even, you know, that, a big chunk of that came on that final drive. If he hadn't gotten that, you know, he would have finished outside the top 20, I think. So, you know, now he has a tough matchup, like you said, the Colts fourth and football outsiders past the fifth in adjusted fantasy points to quarterbacks you know Stafford sits outside our top 15 quarterbacks this week yeah just been a a low ceiling decent floor quarterback and now he gets a bad matchup so not a whole lot to like Kenny Galladay is the top fantasy option in general among Lions but uh, he's been stuck in wide receiver two territory now he's got a tough matchup against a rejuvenated Xavier Rhodes yeah, so it sounds it sounds like Rhodes hasn't been shadowing, and you know, based on where Galladay lines up, he'll see Rhodes on about half of the snaps. So you know, he Galladay's okay; you can stick with him, as you said. You know, he's been right around low end wide receiver two range in PPR in all four of his weeks so far. Um, so he's fine to stick with. Marvin Jones finally showed some signs of life last week. I think that was more the matchup against Atlanta. I'm not willing to trust Marvin Jones just yet, especially in this tough matchup. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. DeAndre Swift making incremental gains in the size of his role in the offense, but not big leaps yet. Yeah, I mean, he was up to a 45% snap rate last week. That was a season high, at least. 
43% of the routes, uh, 14% target share, got about half of the running back carry. So, I mean, it's still a committee. I I think it's going to be a committee all season. I think it's just what the Lions want to do. So, you know, I mean, Swift is getting enough now where he's like an RB2, especially in PPR. Again, the matchup is tough here, but, I mean, if you can get 15 or so touches out of Swift, he's okay. Yeah, he's at least gotten to the point where he's leading that committee. I think the matchup for him gets better if Darius Leonard is out this week. Um, worse if Leonard looks like he's healthy. We'll watch that situation. TJ Hawkinson gets a bad spot this week. We have him ranked 16th across formats. He's been solid as far as the tight end goes, just because tight end's so weak. Uh, I wouldn't drop him this week to go get Robert Tanyan, Eric Ebron, or Jared Cook off of waivers. But if you have room to carry two tight ends on your roster, I would play each of those guys as well as Rob Gronkowski and Richard Rodgers over TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, Hawkinson's kind of been living on touchdowns. He has a touchdown in three straight games now in four of six games overall. Um, The Colts are one of two teams that haven't allowed a tight end touchdown all season yet. They're fourth in football outsiders tight end coverage rankings. And again, I I know Vegas has the Lions applied for what, 23 something points. I would take the under that. I don't think they're going to get to that mark. So I, I just don't think Hawkinson's a great target bet in this matchup. Yeah. If you believe that they're going to get to 50 in this game, then I guess you probably like Hawkinson a little bit more. Sure. New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. Bills by four, over under 42 and a half. Looks like another potentially ugly one here. The Bills defense has not been close to the level of the past few years so far, but the Patriots offense is so bad right now that to me, only Damian Harris actually looks like a potentially attractive option. And even he was limited Wednesday by an ankle issue. Yeah, and this is another weather game. Uh, the forecast right now is 20 mile per hour winds and rain. You know, 20 mile per hour winds is enough to impact the passing games. You should you shouldn't be playing any pieces of the Patriots passing game here. Um, Julian Edelman, we just found out, is going to miss this game, and it sounds like even more time beyond that. He might need surgery on that knee that's been bothering him all season. So Julian Edelman is droppable. Um, you know, he actually had the plus matchup here against the Bills in the slot. You know, Bills have struggled against the slot, really dating back at least to the start of last season. That that's probably going to be Jacoby Myers now taking over for Edelman in the slot. I think Meyer's worth adding in like deeper PPR leagues. Again, the matchup's good here, but I'm, I'm not sure I would trust it right out of the gate. Yeah, Edelman actually did recently have knee surgery, so that's what he's um, trying to come back from at this point. We'll see how long he remains out. <laughs> he's droppable, though, in a lot of leagues. Yeah. He frankly hasn't been doing very much outside of the Seattle game anyway. I agree. Jacoby Myers is the most interesting receiver here. Not somebody to reach too much for and and you know shove into starting lineups, but if you're in a deep league where you're looking for somebody that might be on waivers this week, I do think there's upside to Jacoby Myers. He will have the best coverage matchup as the slot receiver for New England against uh, Teron Johnson in this game. So I like that. Cam Newton is only on the radar because he can run the ball and because the Bills are super weak in run defense. 23rd in the league in yards per carry allowed, 26th in run defense DVOA. Even with that, Cam Newton barely cracks the top 20 in our week eight rankings. Yeah, if you throw out that Seahawks game, Newton's averaging 143 passing yards and 0.25 passing touchdowns per game. That Seahawks game is just inflating everything. So, I mean, again, with the with the crappy weather and the matchup against the struggling Bills run, we could see Cam put up decent numbers on the ground. But even then, I mean, he's going to have to do more through the air if he's going to you know be a top 12 fantasy quarterback. Yeah, not only am I playing streaming quarterbacks over Cam Newton this week, I'm comfy dropping Cam Newton for a streaming level quarterback. Yeah, me too. On the Bills side, check check this out. According to Football Outsiders DVOA, 
The Bills actually face a worse defense this week against the Patriots than they did last week against the Jets. <laughs> the Patriots are 25th in overall defensive DVOA, 23rd against the pass, 25th against the run. The Jets, worse against the pass, but better against the run and better overall, according to those ratings at least. Uh, to me, the struggles on this side of the ball are way more, it, way more surprising than just like a garbage group of talent on offense struggling. I mean, do, do you buy that New England's D is that bad? I mean, I think at least their pass D – should be better than what those numbers are, are, are telling us right now. I mean, you would think, but it's not, they haven't been shutting anybody down so far. I, I wouldn't call it a pass defense that I'm targeting at this point, but I'm also have to tell myself that it's not one to fear. So I don't yeah. downgrade a quarterback for the matchup with them. Yeah. yeah. You know, our adjusted fantasy points numbers have the Pats first against quarterbacks. I was looking into the numbers. I think that's largely because they um, held Ryan Fitzpatrick to his worst fantasy game in the seasons. You know, that's, bringing that down. They held Patrick Mahomes in check. You know, Mahomes kind of just struggled in that game against New England. So, you know, I think um, they're, they're definitely not the toughest quarterback matchup. I think they're probably better again than, you know, their 23rd place ranking in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. Josh Allen really struggled against the Pats last year, 48% completion rate, 6.7 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, three interceptions. Um, but again, that, that pass defense was a lot better than, than this year. So I think you're sticking with Allen, not expecting a ceiling game from him in this matchup. I agree with that. I mean, we should have gotten a ceiling game from Josh Allen last week. He's in QB1 territory, but not as high as he should be um, based on everything going on around him. And as you mentioned, the weather is also an issue here, especially for the passing game. I mean, if it's going to be cool, rainy, and windy, uh, it's not going to be a pleasant day for passing. Maybe we finally see the Bills run the ball a little bit more. And Zach Moss caught up to Devin Singletary in usage last week, played just five fewer snaps, uh, 10 opportunities to Singletary's 13, 10 touches for each guy, 72 total yards to uh, to Devin Singletary's 47. At the very least, make sure that Zach Moss is not on the waiver wire anywhere at this point. Yeah, I mean, Singletary blew any shot he had to like take control of this backfield and Moss missed time. Um, I, I thought Moss looked better in that game against the Jets last week. And good matchup here. The Patriots allowing 4.6 yards per carry through running backs. Um, they're 31st in football outsiders running back coverage ranking. So, you know, Singletary and Moss could both do some damage in the passing game here. So I think, you know, they're both like RB3s with some upside at this point. Yeah, I agree. John Brown back to full practice Wednesday. I'm not starting him in his first game back. As we mentioned, I think this, the, the Patriots defense is still more talented than the ratings say. Cole Beasley, though, was the lead receiver for this team against the Pats last year. 25 total targets across the two games, seven catches in each game, and at least 75 receiving yards in each game. Went over 100 in the second. Still gets the best individual coverage matchup against that New England defense, too. So he's a decent guy down at the bottom of wide receiver three to mid wide receiver four range. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, Jonathan Jones, the Pats slot corner, he's good. You know, he's 36 in PFF's coverage grades. But I'm with you. You know, he is the best matchup here when you have Diggs, you know, likely going to see a Stephon Gilmore shadow, John Brown facing JC Jackson, who's third in PFF's coverage grade. So, you know, we could see more action final two Cole Beasley here. He already has four plus catches in six of seven games this season, had the big game last week against the Jets. So I think in PPR leagues, you know, especially if you're dealing with some bye weeks or injuries that you know, Beasley's probably a good bet to get you, you know, 10 to 15 points. Raiders at the Browns. Browns are two and a half point favorites over under 51 and a half. That's down four points from where it opened. So Vegas liked this at 55 and a half points before the betters said to like it a little bit less. It does look like a strong fantasy spot to me though. Well, I think the over under coming down too is because of the weather. This is another weather game. Um, 
just wind here, but 25 mile per hour sustained winds with gusts of 40 miles per hour. If that, you know, if that's what it is on Sunday, we're going to have to downgrade the passing games here. Yeah, I could see Derek Carr slipping a little bit, but not far because he's been dealing all season. Third in the league in completion rate, sixth in yards per attempt, fifth in adjusted yards per attempt. That's a pro football reference stat that incorporates touchdowns and interceptions as well. Twelfth in touchdown rate. Only time in six games that he has not thrown for multiple touchdown passes was week one. Again, that was when Josh Jacobs ran it in three times. QB 13 in points per game, slightly behind Lamar Jackson in that category, just ahead of Joe Burrow. And Derek Carr hasn't had a whole lot of Henry Ruggs to work with so far. Yeah, that's all after a week one dud. He's been a top 12 fantasy quarterback in five straight games now. Matchup's good here. The Browns 25th in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. They're 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So again, the weather is the only thing that, you know, should worry you at all about Carr this week. Yeah. Uh, Carr's a good play this week. He's also, I think, a potential roster stabilizer the rest of the way. He has the fourth best remaining schedule among quarterbacks according to our strength of schedule page his buy is behind him to me it looks like the only potentially worrisome matchup is the Colts in week 14 and we'll see what the Colts defense looks like for passing as we get closer to that one yep I'm with you cart you know car should be owned in all leagues of 12 plus teams at this point Darren Waller is an always play Josh Jacobs is basically an always play unless you're loaded he has not been all that efficient though um, we can count on touches at least every week, and the offense is ninth in overall DVOA. Yeah, like I said, the Browns have been good against the run this season, at least you know a lot better against the run than the pass. Um, they're allowing just 3.7 yards per carry to running backs. But you know, like you said, we know Jacobs is going to get the volume. He's seeing okay volume in the passing game. We expect the Raiders to score plenty here, so he's a decent touchdown bet. Yeah, so full PPR, getting back to the question from earlier, I'd play Mike Davis over Josh Jacobs. Non-PPR, I'd play Josh Jacobs. Half PPR. <laughs> I would be arm wrestling myself. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Henry Ruggs is going to be interesting to watch. He's been back for two games now, but last week was the first time all season that he cracked 70% playing time. He's seen just five, three, three, and three targets in his four appearances. You know, several of them have been limited by injury. I would still rather have Henry Ruggs than Nelson Aguilar at this point. Derek Carr said this week, quote, that that throwing deep is, quote, becoming who we are. Yeah, I'm not, you know, if we can get to Aguilar, I'm not totally buying in on him yet. But yeah, um, Ruggs set season highs in snap rate at 75% and in route rate at 80% last week. So and even though the targets weren't there, his, his playing time is trending up. I mean, you know, he's a guy that would be most impacted by the weather as like the deep ball guy. But, you know, I still think Ruggs is better with the ball in his hands. I'd like to see the Raiders get him more like screens and give him the ball in an end around or something. Because, you know, that's what he was best at at Alabama. So we'll see about that. But again, um, you know, deep balls especially will be impacted here if, you know, we get those 40 mile per hour wins. Um, and Nelson Aguilar, who we both just mentioned, he's been a popular waiver target this week. And it makes sense after a big game. I'm not totally buying in, but... I will say that there is potential for him to help teams. We all remember the struggles from Philly, but he did also have some useful stretches with the Eagles. He topped 60 catches, topped 700 receiving yards in both 2017 and 2018. Last week's game, though, marked the first time this season that he has topped four targets in a game. And most of that stretch came with Henry Ruggs missing plenty of time. So as you said, I'm not buying into Nelson Aguilar right now, but there's room for him to potentially be startable for you this week. Yeah, like you said, last week was the first time he got good volume, but you know, the playing time has been there. He's been at 78-plus percent of the snaps in four straight games, and he's led the Raiders wide receivers in pass routes in all four of those games. So, you know, he's been on the field. You know, he sort of finally started to get the volume last week. He, you know, he, he's been playing well. Like we said, Carr's been playing well. 
the Browns are 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. So, I mean, I think Aguilar is a wide receiver three option. Just, you know, it's still Nelson Aguilar, so don't be surprised if he lets you down. Right. He is playing ahead of Hunter Renfro at this point. Uh, Renfro's playing time has been down the past two games. Yep. Aguilar ran more t- ran more routes than Hunter Renfro in each of those games. We also have to watch Brian Edwards. He returned to a limited practice Wednesday, so we'll see if he's back in the mix for this weekend. Maybe he's worth stashing in deeper leagues or like Michael Pittman, a talented rookie who could carve out a role going forward. But yeah, I think Renfro with Aguilar emerging and rugs back Renfro is kind of off the radar. He has just eight targets, um, a 12% target share over the last two games. Yeah. And I I'm certainly, even if Brian Edwards is not on the roster, as far as a pickup for you or not on the radar in terms of a roster pickup for you, he at least complicates the picture potentially when he returns for Nelson Aguilar. Yeah, definitely. On the Brown side, I'm not ready to believe that last week was the real Baker Mayfield and that it was just Odell Beckham holding him back. But there's a chance that he's better off with Odell Beckham out of the way and not feeling like he has to force targets in any particular area or, you know, go apologize to anybody after he throws a touchdown pass to somebody else. Yeah, I mean, we'll see about that. I find it hard to believe that team's better without Odell Beckham. But, um, you know, last week was Baker's first week higher than quarterback 15 in fantasy points. You know, he he does have a good matchup here. The Raiders 29th in football outsiders past the rankings. They're 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed, but I'm with you. I, I still, you know, would treat Baker as a, as a quarterback too, going forward, especially without OBJ. Jared, I'm surprised that you would say that after we got clear evidence the past two seasons of how awesome the giants have been since trading away. <laughs> Hold on back. Right. Right. The wide receiver, the wide receivers talent here is still decent. Obviously Jarvis Landry is the number one, Losing Odell Beckham helps his target outlook, even if it didn't push it up last week. So he's a decent wide receiver three. Rashard Higgins is a solid player. Um, There's no ceiling guy without Odell Beckham there. I think both Higgins and Jarvis Landry sit in wide receiver three territory on my board this week. Yeah, I mean, the the thing with Jarvis is the rib injury that I think is still a major concern. Um, But, you know, he's been, he's, you know, he's been producing okay. He just hasn't scored a touchdown yet. And now, you know, OBJ is leaving behind seven targets per game. So, you know, Landry should get a target boost. Again, the matchup is good here for him. The Raiders are 27th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And their slot corner, LaMarcus Joyner, he's 92nd in PFF's coverage grade. So, you know, Landry has the best matchup among all these guys in the slot. So, you know, we'll we'll see. I think there's upside for him to become like a weekly wide receiver too without OBJ now. Have you seen, have you checked the slot rates for him and Rashard Higgins? Because I know that they have both seen time in the past in that role. I didn't. Um, I, I know Landry's been the primary slot guy so far this season. You know, I guess we'll see if that changes now with Beckham out. Mm-hmm. Harrison Bryant has a solid matchup as well. Could be another top 15 fantasy week for him here. The top three wide receivers all ran more routes than Bryant last week against the Bengals. But if you add in his pass blocking snaps, he was just ahead of Donovan Peoples-Jones in that category. 22 passing snaps total versus 15 for David Njoku. And I think – so – Obviously, Harrison Bryant makes sense as a pickup this week, but I think that there's room for him to be more than just a one more week solution because I do think that there's room in this offense for a second tight end to get, you know, at least decent target counts the rest of the way, as we saw with David Njoku producing as the second tight end last week. Maybe, um, you know, we we know it's a tight end centric offense under Stefanski and Beckham out, obviously, you know, boosts the chance. It's just, it's rare to see a team produce, you know, two fantasy viable tight ends. But Harrison Bryant is good. You know, the the Browns obviously like him after spending a pick on him. And Hooper, you know, we we don't know. He might miss even more time beyond this week. So, yeah, I think Bryant 
definitely worth grabbing in most fantasy leagues. Um, and I think, you know, he's in the lower end tight end one mix this week. Vikings at the Packers. Packers by seven in this one, over under 51. That's down four and a half from where it opened. Thank goodness Dalvin Cook is back. Yeah, another weather game here. Same forecast as um, we just saw in that Browns game, 25 mile per hour winds, gusts up to 40 miles per hour. So, um, yeah, it could be a game where Minnesota, you know, goes straight to a heavy Dalvin Cook game plan if, if, if it's windy. Makes things easier for deciding who's going to play. I think at wide receiver for Minnesota, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson are obviously both plays. It could be a better week for Justin Jefferson than it is for um, Adam Thielen. Thielen should see the most of Jair Alexander in coverage. He's PFF's top-rated cornerback on the season. PFF expects a shadow for um, Jair Alexander on Adam Thielen. Now, Thielen beat that for six catches, 110, and two touchdowns in week one. So it's not the kind of matchup where you're sitting Adam Thielen by any means. He That included 66 yards and a touchdown on Alexander when he was in coverage on Thielen. So I'm not saying to sit Adam Thielen. But on the other side, Kevin King is probably out again at corner for Green Bay. So they're already moving to a worse version of the guy who already wasn't as good as Jair Alexander. And that's the matchup that Justin Jefferson gets. He was not really a part of the offense back in that week one game. So I think when we look back at last week where Houston barely got anything from Will Fuller while both Randall Cobb and Brandon Cooks had busy days, we get something similar here where we get a little bit fewer targets for Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson winds up the number one scoring uh, Vikings wideout this week. Yeah, I have potential blow up spot written down in my notes here for Jefferson because, you know, he, he is it's going to be Josh Jackson um, in coverage against Jefferson if Kevin King sits and uh, Jackson is 68th in PFFs coverage grade. So, again, we'll keep an eye on the weather. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, feeling you're sticking with as an every week starter. I think Jefferson is a wide receiver, too, with big upside this week. Irv Smith, five targets, four catches, 55-plus yards in two straight games, finally, after we've been waiting for that kind of usage. Season high in playing time last game out against Atlanta. Green Bay, though, has been a negative matchup by fantasy scoring. Uh, Football Outsiders has them 27th, though, in tight end coverage DVOA. Yeah, I'm not totally sold on Smith's role yet because they played from way behind Atlanta in that last game. So that might have led to the playing time. But of course, you know, we saw Irv Smith up the game before that against Seattle. So maybe he is, you know, in this role. And again, if he's in this role, I think he's going to, you know, flirt with or at least or you know, potentially just be a top 12 tight end the rest of the way because he's that talented, I think. But um, so, I, you know, I think he's a risk reward play this week. Um now, before we get confirmation that he is going to, you know, be in this in this type of role going forward. And if we like him better when the team is trailing, then we have to like him when they're sure. seven point underdogs on the road heading to Green Bay. Yep, good point. And I will say, you know, I, I mentioned the matchup looks bad from a fantasy scoring perspective, but good from the uh, Football Outsiders numbers. Green Bay does not have an inside linebacker who's playing well right now. There are two guys that are currently starting in there were so bad that neither of them played half the snaps last week. So that, I think, helps Irv Smith's outlook. Again, if Minnesota is trailing and has to throw the ball more, I think he's certainly going to make sense to draw some extra targets. On the Green Bay side, there's nothing sneaky. It looks like we're going to not have Aaron Jones for another game. Yeah, so if that's the case, you know, Jamal Williams, I think, again, is like an, a borderline RB1, which is where we ended up ranking him last week when we found out Jones was out. So you're starting him. Um, I think the the fringe guys, Robert Robert Tunyon is how it's pronounced. I don't know if you saw that. It's not it's not Tunyon, it's Tunyon. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, with, with Devontae Adams back now, Tunyon's, you know, basically like a, a touchdown or a bus guy. He, he saw just two targets last week. Minnesota is 29th in Football Outsiders tight end coverage rankings, I think, 
Green Bay's offense should move the ball here and score plenty. So he's a decent touchdown bet, but I don't think you're going to get, you know, five, six, seven targets per game out of him anymore. Yeah, so this matchup is just the same as what I just mentioned on the other side. The fantasy numbers say it's a bad matchup for tight ends. DVOA says the Vikings are bad, 29th, as you said. Here's one where I'm trusting the fantasy numbers a little bit more because the Vikings have Eric Kendricks in the middle, who's a good coverage linebacker. They have good safeties. And week one is the only game so far in which Robert Tanyan or Tanyan or whatever you want to call him hasn't had any targets so far this year. So it doesn't look to me like a game where Green Bay is going to try to get him the ball. Perhaps him still working back from the ankle sprain even further motivates that. And then especially if they're playing from ahead, I mean, he saw a season low in playing time last week against Houston where they were playing from way ahead. So I would try not to use him this week. I would play guys like Harrison Bryant and TJ Hawkinson over Tanyan Tanyan. Yeah, I'm good with that. We could probably lower Tanyan down our rankings after this. If you don't like him, I think you got to have some interest in MVS. I mean, he no. had a goose, goose egg last week on four targets, um, but you, you know he's still on the field, 82% of the snaps, 89% of the pass routes, had four catches for 96 yards and a score on six targets since the Vikings back in week one and Minnesota's 31st defending the deep ball, according to football outsider. So, you know, we, we, we could see MVS pop a long one. You know, he, he's always at risk of, of a zero as he gave us last week. Yeah. I'm going to like, if I need him, then I'll go ahead and play him. Cause certainly there's that upside, but uh, I I'll even, we saw last week that Aaron Rodgers can throw for four touchdowns and one can go to Malik Taylor and one can go to Jay Sternberger. And then the other two go to Devonte Adams. I would much rather bet on that then say that Marquez Valdez Scantling's in a breakthrough spot. Yeah, I had I had a Rogers uh, tournament team last week with Devonte Adams, but also with MVS and Tunyon. So you know that that didn't work out for me because I'm oh, wow. a Taylor. That's a heavy investment. Heavy stack. Steelers at the Ravens. Ravens by three and a half. That's down two from where it opened. Over under forty nine. That's down three points from where it opened. On the Pittsburgh side. Well, first, do we have any weather to worry about in this one? No, this is not a weather game, but I still think it's going to be ugly because it's two really good defenses. I agree. And Deontay Johnson, by the way, on the Pittsburgh side, is hurt again. He missed Wednesday practice with a toe injury. That's another different injury from the last time he was hurt. He says it's not going to keep him from playing, but we're, I think it's worth watching throughout the week, his level of participation. And it, at the very least, it adds some risk of an in-game setback. I think we, we originally thought it was an ankle injury. That was the original report. To me, toe, you know, assuming it's a big toe, is almost more worrisome. You know, guys really struggle with those. I mean, Deontay's been so good when he's been healthy. He has 10 13 and 15 targets in his three healthy games this season. But again, if he's banged up and and this matchup is tough against, you know, a strong Baltimore secondary. So, I mean, you know, I think Deontay is, you know, back to like a risk reward wide receiver three, assuming he plays when really, you know, he should be like an every week wide receiver two, if he could just stay healthy. Yeah, uh, (laughs) I agree. So I would have a, I would have a hard time sitting him, but if it's close between him and somebody else, you got to take that toe or ankle or whatever it winds up being into account. It's listed as a toe on the team website. Uh, the Deontay Johnson situation does make it a little bit easier for me to take a shot on Chase Claypool if I'm looking down at that level of the rankings. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say, you know, don't drop Chase Claypool after his dud last week. I, I don't love him this week because, again, I don't love the matchup. I don't think we're going to you know, see a ceiling game from the Steelers passing offense, but Claypool still ran around on 69% of Big Ben's dropbacks last week. You know, that was third behind Deontay, and Juju, but if Claypool can, you know, just be the number three receiver and be running routes on, you know, about 70% of the dropbacks, you know, he, he's still going to be a wide receiver three. We can at least play in good matchups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's Jarvis Landry, and he doesn't have the number one wide receiver missing from his offense to help. 
Yeah, I mean, we I mean we we saw him come to life last week. He he did he did see a eight point five yards yard a dot last week Ooh. after five point two the previous five games. So you know that's a little less uh, Landry esque. But you know, it, it I, honestly the Steelers passing game. If you watch them, it, it's it's a just a short based passing game. You know that's how they want to play. I think with big men at this point in his career. So you know that's what you're going to get from Juju. Um, you know, he has the toughest matchup this week against Marlon Humphrey, who's been Baltimore's best corner this season. Yeah, Humphrey missed practice Wednesday. I haven't seen what the designation was yet, if he's a, a potential injury issue, but we'll keep an eye on him. I'm trying not to use Ben Roethlisberger in that passing game. He's been a floor play so far, as you mentioned, in that short-range pass offense. And now this matchup, I think, lowers that floor and caps the ceiling. So I would really rather not use Roethlisberger this week. Yeah, definitely Ben's toughest matchup of the season. Um, you know, Football Outsider says the Ravens' seventh in pass D. They're, they're 16th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. They gave up four touchdowns to Patrick Mahomes, but they've only allowed four total passing touchdowns in, in their other uh, five games. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens did add Yannick Ngakwe to the pass rush since they last took the field, so they could be even better on defense now than when last we saw them. On the Ravens' side, I hope we see more J.K. Dobbins coming out of the bye, but this is not the matchup to take a chance on that happening in your lineup. Yeah, probably not. I mean, you know, he's in RB3 range in our rankings along with Gus Edwards. And that's assuming Mark Ingram doesn't play. I'm not expecting Ingram to play. You know, the, the report the report we got last week was a mid to high ankle sprain, whatever that means. I mean, if it's a high ankle sprain, he's going to miss, you know, multiple weeks here. So we'll see. He didn't practice on Wednesday. So, again, I'm not expecting Ingram to play. And that would, you know, turn this three-back committee into a two-back committee. My guess would be Edwards would lead the way in carries with Dobbins doing – most of the passing game stuff. And that's what makes Dobbins interesting is that, you know, the Steelers are more beatable through the air than on the ground. So maybe we see Baltimore pass it a bit more, you know, maybe we get, you know, three to five targets out of JK Dobbins. But yeah, in this matchup, again, you don't expect a lot of points here. I think Edwards and Dobbins, both RB threes. This is definitely the kind of matchup where it would make sense for them to try to leverage Dobbins's receiving ability. Not only are, you know, are the Steelers tough against the run, but, they, they're two inside linebackers. Neither of them is good in coverage. Robert Spillane is the fill-in for Devin Bush. Uh, we don't know how he is in coverage yet. He's played one game. He left it early, and he was not challenged in coverage. Vince Williams, we know coverage is the worst thing he does. That's what's kept him from being a full-time player at the other spot. My question there, though, that we have not seen answered is, can Lamar Jackson support a receiving running back for more than like three catches a game. So I think when we combine those, it's just, it's maybe if we see JK Dobbins get seven targets, then he could certainly have an impactful game and be fantasy worthy here, but lots of questions that we need answering before we can count on them. Yeah. Again, I think it's possible we see, you know, the DeAndre Swift thing here where Baltimore expands Dobbins roll out of the bye, but until we, until we see it, we're we're just guessing. Matchups no good for Mark Andrews. I mean, it's tough to imagine sitting Mark Andrews in most redraft cases, but I think it's worth keeping in mind at least for setting DFS lineups and leagues where tight ends count as wide receivers. Not a good matchup for tight ends. Yep. Agreed there. I mean, you're starting him in season long, I'm sure, but um, not a guy I'll be playing in DFS this week. Again, Hollywood Brown's the guy I like here. Um, Pittsburgh 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide outs. You know, we just saw AJ Brown have a big game against them last week and football outsiders has them 30th defending the deep ball. So uh, I think this is definitely a game where we could see Brown catch a long one or two. Yeah. What else is new? <laughs> Tennessee Titans at Cincinnati Bengals Titans by five and a half. It's a 53 and a half over under, and that's even down two from the open is the weather from Cleveland going to make its way to Cincinnati. Yeah. It, it doesn't look as bad here, but 15 to 25 mile per hour winds is what we're, Getting as a non, you know, again, it's Thursday. This is going to change by Sunday, but it, it sucks too because this is a game I was all over, and I think for season long and for DFS, we'll have to keep an eye on the weather. 
I don't think I'm going to let that one impact me here because this is just too good a spot. Ryan Tannehill will start with because he just doesn't get enough credit for what he's done so far, fantasy-wise at least, with the Tennessee Titans. He's fifth in our QB rankings this week. I think he's still too low. I think he's a better play this week than Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes even. He's almost two points per game ahead of Lamar Jackson in fantasy points per game so far this season. Ryan Tannehill has topped 30 points in two straight games before last week's modest outing against the Steelers. He's had three games this season of four total touchdowns already. Yeah, so the, the Bengals are 26th in Football Outsiders pasty. This will be the third game Tannehill has played this season against a team ranked 24th or worse. In the first two, those were the, the Jags and Texans games. Tannehill threw four touchdowns in both of those games, so he's capitalized on his plus matchups. I can definitely get with Tanny over Lamar Jackson this week. I couldn't use Tannehill over Patrick Mahomes against the Jets. If you're deciding between those two guys on your fantasy team, you need to oh. trade a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, and some people might be, you know, but oh. yeah, I, I agree you should be – trading one of those guys if you have them both. Yeah, I agree. A.J. Brown's an obvious play. Corey Davis, I think, is a play in close calls. He's probably under, underrated in our uh, Week 8 rankings. He's somewhere in the 40s, but he's averaging 5.25 receptions over his four appearances this season, and there's nothing scary for him about this matchup with Cincinnati. Yeah, he's averaging uh, a shade over seven targets per game. He led Tennessee with 10 targets last week. He's been a top 40 PPR wide receiver in three of his – four games this season. And again, we, we like this spot in general. So yeah, I think Davis is definitely in the wide receiver three mix this week. Jonu Smith gets a defense that allowed the Browns three tight end scores last week, even with Austin Hooper out recovering and eating ice cream. <laughs> right. Yeah. Great matchup here. Jonu set a season low last week in route rate. He only ran a route on 44% of Tannehill's dropbacks. And it's because he did more pass blocking that, you know, that's either because they face the Steelers, who have the best pass rush in the NFL, or because Tennessee lost Taylor Luan for the season. Um, so, you know, hopefully it's the former, and we're not going to see Janu, you know, being forced to block more now that Tennessee lost one of their tackles. We'll see about that. I think, you know, this week you're risking it and playing Janu Smith in this matchup. Yeah, his playing time, even though it was back near his previous level, though, uh, it was also down from the three previous, like from the three pre-injury games, um, his playing time was still down last week. So I think the ankle played into it. I think the matchup played into it. Cincinnati is terrible in the pass rush, so I'm not worried about the blocking too much here. And it's it's the kind of matchup where even if Johnny Smith only sees five or six targets, he could capitalize on just that much work. Definitely. On the Bengals side, Joe Burrow's third in the league in passing yards right now. We talked last week about some positive touchdown regression coming. It came last week, threw for three touchdowns against Cleveland, ran for a fourth. Tennessee is likely to lead this game, I think. So when you combine that with their below average pass defense in DVOA, another upside spot for Burrow. Yeah, Joe Mixon probably out again, so that'll push Cincinnati more towards the pass. Tennessee's been getting lit up lately. Um They've allowed 14 passing touchdowns over their last five games. That includes three to Gardner Minshew, three to Kirk Cousins, four to Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Burrow is a top 12 quarterback play this week. Yeah, especially when you talk about those names throwing three touchdown passes against Tennessee. Exactly. Uh, what, how did Josh Allen do against them? <laughs> Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, easy plays. I, they're both inside the top 24 for me, even with A.J. Green also in wide receiver three territory. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we – buried AJ Green too early. He's really come to life the past two weeks now. He has 24 targets over the last two games. That's a team high. Um, 28% target share, which is a huge number. And, and you know, when you factor in that Cincinnati is one of the past heaviest offenses, you know, 28 is a an awesome number. He's, he's not going to stay there, but, um, you know, he it looks like he's back to being a big part of this offense. Um, you know, whatever was 
bothering him early on this season. He seems to have gotten over and Tennessee's 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. I think, you know, green is a really nice wide receiver three play this week. And for what it's worth, his seven catches for 82 last week came on 13 targets against the Browns. So, you know, there's a chance that if he doesn't get quite that much work on a weekly basis, he could still be more of like a four, maybe five catch guy. So there's still some like trade, maybe some sell high potential to green, but I don't think he reaches the point of being a guy that you need to get rid of before he crashes again. If he just settles into, you know, five catches for 60 yards on average, that's going to work. Yeah, it's, it's definitely still a Boyd one, Higgins two, Green three for me, you know, for these these Bengals wide receivers in fantasy. Yeah, I agree with that. You mentioned Joe Mixon uh, seems unlikely to play. Gio Bernard, matchup's not even quite as good against Tennessee as it was against Cleveland last week, according to the numbers, but he's a fine low RB2, mostly because of the receiving potential. Five for 59 and a touchdown receiving last week. Yeah, I mean, it feels like he should be a low RB2. I think he's like high RB2 in our rankings, though, just because, you know, running back is, is so crappy, especially with teams I'm buying now, you know. Geo, I think as expected, was inefficient on the ground last week. That that's going to continue, but you know he he got five targets, was good in the passing game, and I think you know that that we can expect to continue, especially with the Bengals being so pass heavy. So I think you know, especially in PPR, uh, Geo is a nice play this week. Jets at Chiefs. The Chiefs are favored by a college esque nineteen and a half points, and that's even down a half point from where it opened. 49 over under. All I'm going to say about the Jets in this game is that Jamison Crowder remained out of practice Wednesday with his groin injury. It's, it sounds like he was back on the field today, and you know, we'll see how he's listed. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he's the only guy you want to use if he's back. And even that, I mean, I'd like to see him get in a full practice if I'm going to fully trust him. Um, we did see LaMichael Pirine take over as the lead back here last week, played 70% of the snaps to just 28 for Frank Gore. Both guys saw 11 carries. Um, P. Ryan out targeted Gore three zip. Um, but yeah, I, I do think P. Ryan is going to be the better fantasy back going forward. But even then, you know, he's like a low end RB3 with very little upside. On the Chiefs side, you play anyone. I think even if you want to take a chance on Mecole Hardman, go ahead. The Jets have one decent coverage safety. It's Marcus May. And even he has allowed three touchdowns in coverage, according to Pro Football Focus. So I, I think the most interesting thing on the Chiefs side to watch is the work split between Clyde Edwards-Elair and Le'Veon Bell. Fingers crossed that we don't get both a defensive score and a kick return touchdown here, so we actually get to see the regular offense operate. Yeah, I mean, I think Edwards-Elair and Bell are both starters in this spot. I mean, we could see them combine for 30-plus carries if this game goes like Vegas is expecting and I'm expecting. Um, you know, Bell played a decent-sized role last week, you know, considering it was his first game with the team. But we'll see if the fact that it's a revenge game against the Jets, you know, plays any part. Maybe the Chiefs try to get him a touchdown at some point. But I think, you know, Bell is a, is a guy I'd be happy with if he's like my RB3 or a flex play this week. Yeah, I'd be fine with that as well. Rams at Dolphins. The Rams by three and a half, over under 46. But the story here is that it's Tua Tungavailoa's starting debut, which means probably we really have no idea what to expect from the Miami offense. Yeah, you know, as a always pessimistic Dolphins fan, I, I'm, you know, I, I think Tua is going to prove to be a downgrade, at least from a fantasy perspective, from Ryan Fitzpatrick this season. You know, Fitz at Miami sitting, uh, they were they're 17th in pass yards per game. They're 13th in football outsiders pass defense DVOA. So it was, you know, an average to above average pass offense. I, I'm not sure that's going to be the case with Tua. So I think I'm downgrading all these guys a bit. You know, we'll obviously see over the next few weeks. Um, you know, Devontae Parker is still the top option, but he's going to see Jalen Ramsey in this game. So even Parker, you know, is I think like a lower end uh, wide receiver three in this matchup. 
Yeah, I'm going from not excited about anybody to not excited about anybody. So it's not much of a change for me. I would say that the most solid spot is for Miles Gaskin facing a middling run defense in the Rams. And I mean, short targets would seem to me to be a good way to help this rookie quarterback, especially against a team that could be tough on the pass rush at the very least has Aaron Donald in front of him. So it seems like a nice spot for Miles Gaskin, which is probably already starting for most teams anyway. Yeah. I mean, uh, 16 and a half carries and four and a half targets per game for Gaskin over his last four. So unless Miami's backfields backfield plans change coming out of the bye, which I don't think they're gonna, you know, G- Gaskin's like an every week RB two now with uh, that type of volume on the Rams side. It's a great matchup for the run game should be a good week to start Daryl Henderson, maybe even a week to consider Malcolm Brown as a fringe option if you need it. Yeah. So football outsider says the Rams first in rush offense DVOA and the Dolphins 32nd in rush defense DVOA. So I, I really like the Rams running game here. Um, Henderson's still the best bat. You know, he has 14 plus carries in three straight games and four of the last five. So even though it's been kind of annoying how much we're seeing Malcolm Brown still, you know, Henderson's been getting the volume. He's also third in the NFL and carries inside the 10 yard line. He's fifth and carries inside the five. So he's been getting the touchdown opportunities again in this matchup. I, I like Henderson a lot. I think he's someone, that you should be playing in DFS this week too. Yeah, and could be a potential stack with that defense against a rookie quarterback too. Yeah, like it. Jared Goff, Justin QB2 range. Nothing really scary about the matchup, but the matchup has been negative for quarterback scoring that Miami defense so far. Uh, not one that I'm scared of right now, but it also makes sense because the Dolphins invested in the past defense in the offseason. They already had Xavier Howard at corner. He's had interceptions in four straight games now. They signed Byron Jones, paid big money for him to play the other corner. They signed uh, Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba, both for solid to big money. Lawson hasn't really been doing much, but Ogba's been delivering sacks. So, you know, my initial inclination is to say, come on, Dolphins are not tough in pasty. But when you look at all the pieces, it's it's – reasonable to say that they could be decent and past either that for real this season yeah and if nothing else they're much tougher against the pass than the run the rams are already one of the run heaviest offenses in the nfl so i, you know, I don't expect them to throw it a whole lot in this game i mean you know goff could luck into two or three touchdowns just if we think the rams are going to move the ball but again i don't think you're going to get more than like 30 pass attempts from him here Chargers at the Broncos, Chargers by three, over under 44 and a half. Not a game that I'm going to look to for a lot of fantasy upside. Denver's still a good defense, seventh in overall DVOA, ninth against the pass, eighth against the run. I don't care for Justin Herbert's purposes. I'm starting him against a team of Navy SEALs coming out of the water. So I'll play in Justin Herbert against anybody at this point. I'm just not upgrading anybody else on the Chargers offense for the matchup. Yep, I'm with you on Herbert. One of his tougher matchups, but he also had a big game against the Bucs. Um, he's been a top seven fantasy quarterback in three straight weeks now. So just keep rolling with Herbert. Um, you know, Keenan Allen's a valiant monster. Mike Williams, um, in the three games this season with Justin Herbert and with a healthy Keenan Allen, Williams has seen four, one, and three targets. So, you know, he, you know, he he's back to being a boom bust wide receiver three. He does have a good matchup here. Um, you know, uh, Broncos slot corner Bryce Callahan's actually their their top corner. Their two outside guys have been struggling most of the year. So you know Williams is always a big play throughout, always a touchdown, decent touchdown bet. But again, the volume has been low with Herbert and Keenan Allen. Yeah, I played too way too much of Mike Williams in DFS last week. In the backfield, Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson are both uh, just beyond the bottom or right around the bottom of RB two range in our rankings. Jackson wound up playing through a questionable tag last week. Um, not much on the rushing front, but six targets, five catches for the second straight game. Yeah, and Josh Kelly had five targets as well. Um, Kelly led 
by a bit in snaps. Um, he outcarried Jackson 12 to five. The freaking Chargers got Troy Main Pope involved too. So it was like a three man backfield committee. Denver's been good against the run. They're eighth in football outsiders run D, um, second in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So not not super excited about either Chargers back here. I guess at this point though, Josh Kelly would be my lean. I think he, I think he's at least their their guy when they're playing with a lead. Um, and you know the Chargers are favored here. I expect them to win the game. So I would lean towards Kelly if you're picking between the two. I don't know. I mean, last week it was a back and forth where they were spending they spent a, a solid amount of time behind the Jaguars. I, I would lean Justin Jackson because Joshua Kelly is coming off three straight games of less than three yards per carry. Four out of his last five have been less than three yards per carry. No touchdown since the opener. I would guess that Justin Jackson's a little bit better bet for targets. You know, we'll see. I think it's yeah. developing. I don't, I don't have any strong feeling between them, but if I had to pick one, I guess I'm leaning Justin Jackson, assuming we're talking PPR. Yeah, I mean, my, my guess would be Jackson leads in targets, Kelly leads in carries. But, I mean, again, they're, they're going to be pretty even, I think, in usage and fantasy value. Well, of course, that New Orleans game um, a couple weeks ago found Justin Jackson leading in carries. So we'll see if maybe injury played into the split in workload last week. On the Broncos side, Melvin Gordon's a high RB2 because Philip Lindsay has a concussion. Looks like he's probably not going to play. Yeah, I, I think Melvin Gordon will be appearing as a sell in our next buy-sell hold report because Gordon and Lindsay have – only played two halves of football together this season back in week one. And then last week, Phil Lindsay's out carried Melvin Gordon in both of those halves. It was nine to seven last week. It was seven to six in week one. So, you know, I think when Lindsay's healthy, this is at least like a 50, 50 split as far as carries go, you know, as we've said, I think Gordon continues to get most of the passing work and probably most of the goal line work. But um, you know, he, I think he's going to be more like a low end RB two when Lindsay's healthy, but, but if Lindsay's out of this game, yeah, yeah, I think Gordon's going to get enough work to, you know, be a pretty solid fantasy starter. And I'm on board with selling Melvin Gordon, so we can go ahead and start writing that one up. Tim Patrick, I think, is available as a down-the-list option. I wouldn't say I'm excited about him, but yeah. he's the only other Bronco that I think is winning a close decision for me at any point. Well, he, he missed Wednesday's practice with a hamstring injury, so uh, <laughs> he, he's iffy. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, that, makes, that makes Jerry Judy a bit more interesting if um, Patrick sits. Judy did uh, run a route on 96% of the dropbacks last week. That led Broncos wide receivers. Tough matchup, though, against a pretty solid Chargers secondary. Drew Locke struggling, so you can't you know, bank on Jerry Judy. But if Patrick's out, he should get a volume boost. And that's how closely I'm paying attention to the Broncos receivers because I didn't even check their injury report before doing the show. That's, that's fine. End, I'm curious to see what things look like when we get a healthy Noah Fant with Albert Okwigbunum, but I think – not knowing how it works out between them makes me not particularly interested in either of them right now. Yeah, I mean, Noah Fan was still not at 100% last week. He was limping around the field with his ankle. He was still limited in Wednesday's practice with the ankle. Um, so I, I would I would try not to use him. I, again, I know tight end's crappy, but if you have like a healthy, decent option, I'd try to set Noah Fan. Albert O, he, he had seven targets last week on 18 pass routes. He had six targets in week six on 16 pass routes. Drew Locke just loves this guy. We know they played together in college. Again, Locke's struggling. He probably, you know, feels comfortable throwing to Albert O. So, I mean, if Fant plays this weekend, it's still tough to trust Oakway Boonham on, you know, the limited routes. But I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, again gets, you know, five, six, seven targets in this game. Yeah, certainly if you're looking down the range of like Irv Smith and Robert Tunyon, then, you know, there's upside. Yep. Saints at the Bears. Saints by four and a half, over under 43 and a half. This game is titled Alvin Kamara and the Uglies. 
Yeah, this is another uh, wind game, 25 miles per hour, gusts up to 40. Um, these are two slow-paced teams. They're 30th and 28th in situation neutral pace. So this is – yeah, I'm with you. Kamara, literally the only guy I, I'd really be excited to use in fantasy lineups. Yeah, Michael Thomas is still out of practice. Emmanuel Sanders is out again with COVID. Marquez Callaway was not practicing Wednesday, so I'd have to be really hard up. Even though he started well last week before getting hurt, I'd need to be in a rough spot to be using Marquez Callaway coming off that injury. Not reaching too far for Traquan Smith, who you know just keeps not seizing opportunities. So on the other side, I'm more interested in Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller. But, you know, if we do get bad forecasts heading into that game, it yeah. certainly cuts into that some more. Traquan disappointed last week. I, I think where I'm at with him is he's just not a lead receiver. Like, you know, he needs to be the number two and number three guy. He does have four plus catches in four of his five games without Michael Thomas this season. So he hasn't been killing you. You know, he's an option if you're desperate. Um, yeah, the Bears receivers, Allen Robinson, the concussion on Monday night. So, you know, especially on just six weeks rest or sorry, six days rest. Um I would consider him, you know, worse than 50-50 to get cleared for this game. So that's going to leave Mooney and Miller as the top two receivers for the Bears. Mooney's averaging six and a half targets per game in Nick Foles' four starts. He's seventh in the NFL in air yards over that span. And if you've been watching these Bears games, he keeps getting open deep and Nick Foles keeps missing him. He would have had a long touchdown against the Rams on Monday night. Nick Foles was pressured on that play, but, you know, he, he still could have gotten it to Mooney. Um, so I don't know. You're you're banking on Nick Foles to make a couple good throws, but the usage has been there for for Darnell Mooney. Saints have been struggling against the pass, so you know there, there's upside there. But you know again, it's it's still Nick Foles. No, you're not banking on good throws from Nick Foles. You're playing angels in the outfield because he throws a deep ball like a kid in a football movie, where he's looking this way and mm-hmm. somebody's in his face and somebody hits him in the back and it flies out and then maybe it lands in the receiver's arms. Most often, it lands far away from him. So. If you figure that we've seen five weeks of it not landing in the receiver's arms, we're due for one for Darnell Mooney. Yeah, I'm going to play Mooney in a DFS tournament or two, assuming the weather is not too bad in this game. Yeah, I agree. And there is upside to Anthony Miller as well. If they're the only two things going, I do think that the Saints will control this matchup. Not to the degree that the Rams did last week, but along those lines, I think, which should drive a little bit more passing volume. Dave Montgomery, of course, is in your lineups because there are only 12 usable running backs in all of football. Man, that guy is so disappointing. Um, but yet he, he's finished as a top 24 fantasy running back in three straight weeks now just because of the volume. So, you, you, you know, don't don't watch him play because it's ugly, but, you know, he, he's putting up decent fantasy totals. Um, and then Jimmy Graham remains a tight end one, especially with Allen Robinson out um, or, you know, likely out of this game. Yeah, Jimmy, gimme Graham. You got to put him in your lineups every week. San Francisco 49ers at Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks by three. It's an over-under of 54 in this game. Jimmy Garoppolo gets the second most favorable QB matchup behind Teddy Bridgewater's this week. It's likely shootout conditions. That should push more passing volume upside. I would play Teddy Bridgewater and Derek Carr. We'll check the weather heading into those games. But for now, I would play those two ahead of Garoppolo. But Garoppolo would be next among streaming level QBs for me. Yeah, I mean, I would play Bridgewater tonight, um, and you know, we'll, we'll check. You know, if you're deciding between Carr and Jimmy G, that'll come down to the weather in Cleveland. But Garoppolo's been good in those in his two games since that you know, dud against the Dolphins. He's completed 74% of his passes, 9.4 yards per attempt in his last two. And again, this Seattle matchup, you know, no, just no quarterback has failed against the Seahawks. The worst fantasy finish is Kirk Cousins, who finished the week 17th. Other than that, every other quarterback to face Seattle has finished top 13 on the week. And Dalvin Cook scored a couple times in that game, I believe, right? Or, or yeah. Alexander Madison scored one. 
Um, yep. The Seahawks have faced the most pass attempts in the league. They've played six games so far. The next 12 teams behind them in those rankings all played seven games. So that's how many pass attempts opponents are throwing against them. So not only is Jimmy Garoppolo a solid option this week, that pushes Brandon Ayuk into good option territory. And I think it makes Kendrick Bourne a sneaky starting option with Debo Samuel out for this game. Bourne seen four, three and one targets the past three weeks. Before that, he saw five, five, six and six in the first four games. I picked Kendrick Bourne up this morning in a deeper league. I'm playing him over Traquan Smith. Uh, yeah, I like that call. Um, 16 targets for Bourne in the three games Debo missed earlier this season. So and I think you project him for, you know, five to seven targets here in this matchup. Um, he's been a red zone guy for San Francisco. You're not, not so much this year, but in the past he has been. So yeah, I think Bourne is a solid wide receiver three play this week. Jermichael Hasty would be my first 49ers running back in, and it looks like we're kind of going to have to take a shot on Jarek McKinnon again. Yeah, I mean, assuming Tevin Coleman remains out, uh, they activate him from IR. That doesn't mean he's going to play, but it means he's eligible if he's ready. So if Coleman's back, I, you know, I I have no idea about this backfield regardless. If Coleman's back, it just you know adds another name to the mix. Kyle Shanahan said he wanted to get Jarek McKinnon rest last week. I don't even know why he was active if, if that was the case. Um, you know, Jermichael Hasty has looked good, but – he only had one carry before Jeff Wilson left that game. So it doesn't look like Shanahan or the, and the Niners were trusting hasty either. So maybe it's Coleman right away if he's healthy. But again, um, I, w- I would still bet on Coleman not playing this week. And if that's the case, I would lean towards hasty over McKinnon, but it's a, it's a total guess. And they haven't officially activated Coleman yet, right? Because there's the two steps where they right. um, designate him to return and then they have three weeks to decide whether they're active again. Yeah, they activated his practice window. Now they have 21 days to you know get him back on the roster. Yeah, so we'll certainly watch that situation. Coleman's the most interesting for me going forward, but we'll see how it plays out for this weekend. Assuming that Coleman's not active for that game, uh, it's hasty first, but I'm not reaching too far for either one. The other thing, too, is Seattle's been good against the run this season. You know, they're ninth in football outsiders run D. They're 11th in adjusted fantasy points allowed. So, you know, that, again, that's, that's another reason my teams pass so much is just they're so much weaker against the pass than the run. On the Seattle side, we'll all be watching this backfield as well. We've got Chris Carson. Chris Carson's not yet a total lock to miss the game. Pete Carroll said at the beginning of the week, we'll see at the end of the week. So maybe there's a chance that Chris Carson plays. We'll we'll see. Carlos Hyde, Travis Homer also dealing with injuries. That makes DJ Dallas somebody worth being aware of. Yeah, I mean, if, if Hyde plays, he's the best bet here. I would expect him to lead the way in carries and you know maybe split the pass catching work. I mean, if all three of those guys are out, I think DJ Dallas becomes an option. I mean, it's not, it's not a good matchup. San Francisco has, has been good against the run this season, but I mean, it's, it's a lead back playing with Russell Wilson where you know you have the Seahawks implied for what, 28 and a half points. So um, D- Dallas should be stashed right now. And we'll just see, you know, who's healthy enough to play in this game in that backfield. Likely lots of passes in this offense, though, as we've seen all season, no matter who's in the backfield. I think that helps the outlook for Greg Olson. I mean, not a good matchup for him, but if they throw 50 passes or 45 passes again, then the targets have to go somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he's as good a touchdown bet as anyone down there at tight end. Um, I I did notice Will Disley set a season high in route rate last week. Um, Olson was still ahead of him, but you know, we, we might be seeing um, Seattle trying to get Disley more involved and, you know, maybe Olsen's role takes a step back going forward. We'll, we'll keep an eye on that. I could deal with that. Will Disley's a fun player to have on the field. DJ Metcalf faces a second straight tough individual matchup outside against Jason Verrett of the 49ers this week. Last week is Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson has not been particularly good this year, but he had his best game of the year against the Seahawks last week. And more importantly, I mean, 
it seemed to motivate the Seahawks to throw the ball almost exclusively to Tyler Lockett, 20 <laughs> targets to five for DK Metcalf. It was like we had uh, Russell Wilson throw 50 passes, and that's still like a 42% share for Tyler Lockett. So this is the second of – it's something like seven in a row – tough individual coverage matchups for Metcalf. So I'm not saying sit DK Metcalf, but with the stretch to at least be aware of, and maybe it helps the target counts for Tyler Lockett over the next few games. Would you be selling DK Metcalf right now? I would be, I would consider him a trade chip. I wouldn't say I've got to get rid of DK Metcalf, but if I'm like, I got to get a running back, what can I give to get a running back? DK Metcalf is that piece that I think I could sell, assuming I'm decent at wide receiver and I'm getting good value in return. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw DK Metcalf roast Stephon Gilmore back in week two. Like, I, I think he's capable of winning any matchup. But, you know, if you're, you know, so I, I think you're starting DK Metcalf. I would not bench him this week. For DFS purposes, though, um, you know, Tyler Lockett is the Seahawks receiver to play this week. Yeah, and just to be clear, I'm not saying sit him either. And if Seattle had thrown the ball to Metcalf 12 times against Arizona instead of five, he probably would have had a fine fantasy game there. But yeah. If in some more of these matchups where we might even have better spots for Tyler Lockett versus Metcalf's matchup, you know, if we get similar stuff where Lockett's getting 14 targets and Metcalf's getting six, you know, it could make for a, a few more down weeks. Yep. Russell Wilson's smart enough to, you know, just go to what's working. So if Lockett has the better matchup, we you know might see more games like that. Exactly. Dallas at Philly on Sunday night. The Eagles opened as four point favorites. That's now up to eight and a half. The over under 43. Maybe it's because the the Eagles played Thursday night. So we got an early line and then we saw the Cowboys play last week and then we saw Andy Dalton go down. So then it really jumped. I don't know. Either way, Andy Dalton is almost certainly out for this game with a concussion. I watched a little bit of Ben DiNucci highlights this week and I'm not saying go use Ben DiNucci, but I will say he's at least mobile. He rushed for a thousand yards over his final two seasons, starting for James Madison, and he's got a decent arm. So maybe at least Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb will be okay. Uh, those YouTube highlight clips make everyone look like a stud. So I don't know. I'd, I'd be careful there. I, I, I mean, Cooper's a guy I would still, you know, play first among all these guys. I would, you know, if you can, I'd bench Cooper though. Even, you know, even Amari's going to see Darius Slay in coverage for most of this game. Slay's been pretty good this season. We've seen Cooper struggle against, you know, tough cornerback matchups. So, you know, that plus the quarterback concern, um, you know, would, would have me worried about Amari Cooper. Uh, CeeDee Lamb has the best matchup in the slot. You know, we just saw him post a goose egg last week with these quarterback issues. Everybody is definitely downgraded. I'm just saying if we get to Sunday night and it, it feels like a Nick Mullins situation, just remember where you heard him. All right. Dalton Schultz, Okay, deep in an upside matchup. Nothing better to say about him than that. It's like Greg Olson level. Uh, and no thanks on Michael Gallup, most of all, among these wideouts. Yeah, I mean, Schultz is just the matchup. Philly struggle against tight ends this season. But, you know, again, with the quarterback play, I wouldn't want to trust him. You know, you're starting Zeke. I think he's like a low-end RB1 just based on the volume. You know, he He's not even getting the rushing volume because the Cowboys are just, you know, doing nothing on offense and – Know, playing from behind in all these games, but you know, the passing volume has been there for the most part. It wasn't last week, but um, you know he, he's still been seeing uh, good target volume for most of the season, and that, that should continue. On the Philly side, Carson Wentz is awesome for fantasy purposes, especially last week. A strong play this week against Dallas. Yep, um, you know we'll see if he gets Dallas Goddard or and or Jalen Rager back. They're both eligible to return now. Um, you know Deshaun Jackson's out. 
Miles Sanders likely out, um, but just the, the matchup against Dallas, um, 20th against quarterbacks. Wentz has been a top seven quarterback in both the last two weeks now. The, the rushing production keeps coming, so at this point you just got to kind of expect it to continue. And like with Tevin Coleman, the Eagles have not actually activated either of those guys, so we'll have to see. But they're, they're, I would bet on both of them returning after the week nine bye as opposed to for this game. Me too. And again, I'd say the same thing for Miles Sanders. I'm not expecting him to play here. So I think, you know, Boston Scott got pretty nice usage last week. You know, we still saw Corey Clement. We saw Jason Huntley get the ball a bit, but you know, Scott's the lead back in a good matchup. I think, you know, he should be in fantasy lineups, assuming Miles Sanders is up. Richard Rogers and Travis Fulgham should be in fantasy lineups as well. And really much more prominently placed than either should be on his own, but the situation's just too good. The matchup's excellent. They're both prominent in this passing offense. Frankly, I think Travis Fulgham should sit even higher in our rankings this week than he does, but Jared fears change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 34 targets over the last three games for Fulgham. He leads the entire NFL in air yards over that span. I'm just helping uh, Matt make his case here. Um, good matchup for Fulgham. So, yeah, he, he he's a fantasy starter, you know, regardless if he's like a low-end wide receiver one or a mid-range wide receiver two. Um, and, yeah, same goes for Richard Rodgers, assuming Dallas Goddard remains out of this game. If Goddard's back, then, you know, I think Rodgers is off the radar. I'm just glad the Eagles are off the main slate so I don't end up with 100% Travis Fulgham in my DFS lineups. Me too. On to the Bucs and Giants to close out the week, and it should not take long. The Bucs are 10.5-point favorites on the road, over under a 45.5. Play all of the Bucs. This is the kind of matchup that can even support both Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette together, although, as we've mentioned before, the Giants are at least potentially tough in run defense. Yeah, and we saw Fournette. You know, Fournette actually outsnapped Ronald Jones last week. I think, you know, if nothing else, Fournette is clearly the pass catching back there now. You know, Jones continues to drop passes. Um, even last week, the carries were only thirteen to eleven in favor of Ronald Jones. So we'll see how that works out. I agree, they're they're both starters this week in this matchup. Um, the, the big news on the Tampa side is no Chris Godwin. Now that that helps Mike Evans, who has done nothing when Godwin has played this season. When Godwin hasn't played, he's he's seen nine targets per game. Average six catches for 89 yards. Um, Evans is going to see James Bradbury for, you know, most, if not all of this game. Um, but I, again, I think with the projected volume now that Evans, you know, belongs in fantasy lineups. Yeah, I agree. And I think with Godwin out and Evans facing Bradbury, I think that helps Scotty Miller, who finally broke through last week now that I'm using him absolutely nowhere after I had him in plenty of lineups the previous few weeks. Yeah, he's been tough to figure out. I mean, in the three games without Chris Godwin, he went for – 81 yards and a score on one of them. But in the other two, he has two catches for 11 yards and then a goose egg. Um, so, I mean, he, I, I can't figure him out. Tyler Johnson might be the safer play than Scotty Miller. Um, you know, Johnson's going to replace Chris Godwin in the slot. He caught four of six targets for 61 yards when Godwin missed that Thursday night game. So, you know, he, he's a guy we like um, and, you know, should be on the field plenty in this game. Yeah, we just haven't seen the targets for him, so he's going to be a low floor play. Certainly a chance to score in this game and a nice player in a good spot. Uh, on the other side, I mean, we didn't talk about Rob Gronkowski, but he's a top 10 tight end. I'm not sure we have to say a whole lot about him at this point. Yes, he Gronk's top three among tight ends in targets, air yards, catches, yards, and touchdowns over the last three weeks now. Yeah, and another solid spot for him. On the other side, I'm not touching a single giant. Uh, yeah, neither. I think... Evan Ingram would be the top play just because Tampa is, you know, less good against tight ends than they are against wide receivers and running backs. But, you know, we've seen Ingram really, the usage has been bad this season and he's not even playing well. So you, you can't even complain too much about the usage because he's just not capitalizing when he does get the ball. 
Yeah, nothing going in his favor. If you ask me who you should start between Evan Engram and Harrison Bryant this week, I'm going to tell you to pick for yourself because I would not be shocked if Harrison Bryant outscores him. Yeah, me either. That's going to do it for this Week 8 preview edition of the podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can see who, how we rank all of these players, and be sure to check throughout the weekend before finalizing your roster as we see all of these injury situations and the potential weather issues play out. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ChalkDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shop saying thanks so much for swimming with us.